Welcome to another edition of the Comics Pals Review Special. This week, we are here to review four of this Alan? week's biggest books. Uh, we're going to be talking about Marauders, number 21, uh, Swamp Thing, number four, Basilisk, number one, and Nice House on the Lake, number one. So some huge books this week. Uh, we're really excited to talk about them. Before we get into that, I do want to let you guys know we are the Comics Pals. Our weekly show drops every single Monday where we talk about these characters and more in all the places you can find them. We're talking news. We're doing reviews. We're doing hard-hitting interviews every single Monday on the Comics Pals. So make sure that you guys are checking that out. Leave us a follow, a rating, a review, wherever it is that you're listening to us right now. If that happens to be YouTube, smash that subscribe button, like the video, share it with your friends. All those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Let's get right into it. We'll start with Marauders. Marauders is, of course, the absolute biggest book this week. It kicks off the Hellfire Gala event, Marvel's version, the X-Men version of the Met Gala. And uh, it, it, it starts off with a doozy. Um, it yes, starts I'm off sorry. with an, yeah. I want to talk about the cover for a second. <laughs> Which one did you get? Or which one? Uh, oh, it's the uh, the Emma Frost Dodderman cover. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about this headwear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How does this work? Do you think? Uh, you know what? I have asked myself that question every single time I've watched a Met Gala or a runway show or a whatever. So I'm not questioning it now. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Dodderman, fucking man. He, I, I want to see the Emma Frost drawings he's done that aren't for public consumption. That, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Uh, so the issue starts off with an invitation. We are all cordially invited to the Hellfire Gala. Uh, and we accept. We accept with grace. We're happy to be invited to the, uh, to the event itself. I am so excited that this is finally kicking off. Um, I do want to shout out the creative team, of course. Jerry Duggan is the uh, the man writing it. Uh, we've got Matteo Lolly on art, Edgar Delgado on colors, Corey Pettit on letters, and of course, Tom Muller doing the designs for all the X books. Um, so this issue sees the start and end of the Hellfire Gala. Very unique way to present the story. Um, we see the arrival of all of the guests, uh, including the Avengers, including the Fantastic Four, including Dr. Doom, uh, who I was not expecting to attend this year. And uh, we yeah. see the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we see the end. And we see the guests leaving in a very different way than they came in. Uh, what did you make about everything in between? Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, <laughs> the uh, so the the UK. What was it? What is he? The UK's ambassador uh, showing up, looking very much like someone who not only voted but uh promoted brexit 
showing up with uh, Russia and Madripoor. So it seems like even uh, even the uh, the follies of Britain can't escape uh, uh, the MC. Well, the Marvel books can't even uh, escape that. Um, yeah, I man, it's interesting. I I didn't expect. I didn't expect it to co- to go down non linearly right and i think i don't know i think it threw me but at the same time i didn't i didn't even realize it was happening until the end yeah i was in the same boat um it was you know i wasn't sure what this was going to be i was a little surprised that they were just kind of like getting right into it like that Uh, we knew from the previews that this issue would feature some amount of the event, some amount of the Hellfire Gala. But um, again, you know, it's a gala. So what the hell are, is, what are you going to do with that, right? Um, the, this presentation tells me that there's a lot, there's a lot in store that we might not have anticipated. And that obviously is exciting. That's super exciting. Um I was happy to see this presented in this way in terms of like getting to see the guest arrivals and all that stuff. It's really fun and uh, it's really cool. I think it's hilarious that the superheroes came to the event in their costumes. Like Dr. Doom is just straight up wearing his Dr. Doom outfit. Like it's not. I think think he would show up to the Met Gala. I think he would. It's just funny that he did. It's, you know, it's appropriate. Captain America looks ridiculous, yeah. um, and he knows better. Which is saying yeah. something. Yeah, which yeah. is saying something. He, he knows better. Uh, Tony Stark, he doesn't have to show up in his Iron Man outfit because he is his Iron Man outfit. You know, like... Yeah, that one I... I, I was thinking about it after reading this, and his entrance, I had a bit of a problem with. Okay. Um, I... He says, um, uh, 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 uh. so he, he starts off by speaking with, uh, Pete. (laughs) Oh, he says, uh, believe it or not, I don't actually throw myself into every new unproven portal technology for fun. Right. And that can't be true. I don't know that I've ever read anything from Tony Stark that I took as fact. He's kind of a, you know, he doesn't, I don't think he tells the truth. That's probably fair. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you know what that's, what that line speaks to is just more, I mean, it's a, it's a Tony Stark line, right. But it speaks to the general distrust that exists among the superhero community, but also just in general, the world toward what the X-Men are up to these days. And um, yeah, Tony Stark is not just going to come and, you know, not wear his, his armor and trust that whatever they're doing here um, is safe. I I think that makes sense. Um, It's, it's just really funny, man. Like, Here you have Emma Frost dressed to the absolute nines, right? The tens. The tens, if you will. And then 
Doctor Strange. Well, he at least has the the forethought to wear a cummerbund. <laughs> but he, Fair enough. He he does say, "Oh, I'm underdressed." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's he true. recognizes it. Yeah. He 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 gets it. Um. I love that stuff. I love Emma's genuine enthusiasm about this. She's not a character that, you know, really ever is that excited about anything, doesn't show a yeah. ton of emotion. So seeing her hyped about this is pretty cool. Um, we got a moment between Professor Xavier, uh, who was blinged out, and Reed Richards. And yeah. this was something that we had actually seen in a preview image. I was surprised they gave that away. But um, I really want to know what he said. Mm-hmm. I really want to know what Reed said to Xavier. Fuck you, Charles. <laughs> that gold, those gold details look gaudy. <laughs> My initial theory was that he knows about Moira McTaggart. That would be the thing. Yeah, that would absolutely be the thing. Um, I don't know how he would know. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. But whatever it is, it has to be something worth concealing from the reader in the moment. So it's got to be, it's got to be something big. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in due time throughout the course of the event, I would imagine what was said right there. In fact, I have a feeling we'll see some of these scenes again in general with more context. Yeah. Uh, before we move off that, this uh, second panel where uh, Reed is leaning into to whisper sweet nothings into uh, Xavier's ear. Yeah. The the way I guess the tree branch there is coming out of the back of his head. Even in the preview, it made it look like he's got like a man uh, like a man bun of some kind. Oh God, I see what you mean. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> okay, he's stre- using his stretchy powers for hair. That's good. Also, why is Professor X just a general douchebag? He, Franklin clearly feels some type of way about not being a mutant anymore. And Xavier goes, it's always nice to see our human friends, especially you, Franklin. Especially you, Franklin. All our human friends that you definitely are, Franklin. What a jerk. Our our non-mutant friends, Franklin Richards. (laughs) And then as Kate tries to uh, make Franklin feel better, she says something that I feel like was directed at the audience. She says, everything works out in the end, bub. That's for everybody who's still for some reason mad that Franklin Richards is not a mutant. I feel like that was directed at you. (laughs) Yep. Um, uh, Emma makes her first costume change. Not too deep into this. Uh, she, (laughs) She takes off her her immaculate, uh, I don't even know how to describe that. Fur coat? Fur, Faux yeah, I mean, fur? I don't know. I mean, it's probably real fur. It's probably real. <laughs> uh, it's probably real. Yeah, fur blanket part. Yeah. With a could, X-shaped boob window. Could she have underwear on, really? Pasties. Pasties, okay. I, you know what? I'm going to go out on the limb and say that Emma Frost is not modest enough to wear pasties. Just Listen, my thought. If I, 
I would argue the fashion element. I would say normally she wouldn't care, but the fact that she's putting on a show. That's a show. Well, sure. But like, a you know, she's putting on an event, I'll say. That's okay. an event. However, she's putting on, she's, you know, presenting. Right, right. Not, Emma Frost ain't golf slam. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. She she keeps she keeps it intact. She keeps it going. She's not gonna uh, have a Janet Jackson. No, 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 no. Uh, we get a performance, a, a musical, a mutant musical performance. This was actually, I thought, really cool. Um, I think it's very interesting. Speak to that. Well, so <laughs> it's and this is the way I read it. This is the first time the general, you know, quote unquote, the general public has been invited in to see what's up on Krakoa. And the first thing they do is take over their minds for a concert. Yeah. That, just, that don't bode well. I thought about that too. That's a little, uh, that's a little interesting. Yeah. Um, but I try to keep in mind the fact that the mutants that are doing this, that are putting on this show, don't necessarily have the intentions that Xavier or Emma would. And, you know, they don't need, they don't need any type of ceremony to get into the minds of some of these people if they want to. I, and I, I agree, but I, I think what's more um, telling is the show of power. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like to look at it as, hey, this is what our art looks like. This is what our, you know, this is what our music looks like. This is yeah. this is how we're different from you. Um, and this is how we can entertain you in a different way. I think it's uh, very interesting that that's the first way that they present themselves um, in, by, you know, in terms of allowing humans to come to Krakoa. These aren't the first humans to come to Krakoa, but as a, as a statement, mm they entertain them that's often the way that minorities make themselves uh, acceptable you know to uh mm-hmm. the dominant culture is through entertainment um so i just feel like that's appropriate and it's interesting uh and again something i i think we might see later there may be something underneath that like you're like you're pointing out mm. um i love dr doom throughout all this he's just non-plus he doesn't give yeah. a shit not, not impressed. It. Nope. <laughs> he calls the thing a rube, mm-hmm. a sentimental rube. Classic. I love the dice game just going on randomly. Of course. Like <laughs> so random. Um, good stuff. We see that we see the the costume change again of Emma. Uh, is she flirting with um, Banshee? I mean Emma Frost. She's flirting with everybody there, my man. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Captain America and Doctor Doom not too happy with each other. I like that part. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, what happened with uh, Wilhelmina? I wonder if she is. Well, I think it's pretty clear she's some form of powered individual, whether that's a mutant or. Uh, what? Yeah. But I I wonder if she's a, a cuckoo. 
if that's who these a stuff for five yeah yeah that got uh i don't know misplaced or put away somewhere so i am a little bit hazy on my memory of of those girls and kind of like what's up with them i think when it started there were only three that's the that was the last i heard of them was there were three and now there's five <laughs> so right I'm... and then i remember there was one who like went off and did her own thing hmm. but i don't remember what ended up happening with all that so i'm not sure who wilhelmina is you could be right that she's one of the the five or one of the cuckoos i guess not yeah. the five um, are these are these two wilhelmina and whoever it is she's with did we see them in was it marauders that that kid is uh i want to say i could be wrong but i want to say he's one of the the verendi kids who uh is working with um there's a woman who's rich her name is chloe Zhao, i believe and she is trying to destroy the mutants because of something involving her husband and she hired these super smart rich kids to help her do that yes and that that was in marauders that is in marauders that's yes. the okay. yeah. Right. yeah yeah i i think yeah i i think that's who they are okay yeah i i'm i'm with you on that i believe that kid is definitely uh from that group yeah um but yeah i don't want to belabor this too much i think this issue was a lot of fun and it introdu- introduces us to the gala. But again, like we pointed out, there's a lot more here than meets the eye. They're only showing us the broad strokes of the night. And I suspect each issue will show us a deeper but different angle on things we've already seen and some things that we didn't get to see. The most interesting thing about this issue is the break. So uh, how it how it goes is uh, Emma basically says she thanks um, she thanks uh, you know everyone and she kind of says like you know um, Hellfire Inner Circle please meet me in a few moments outside Saucier's kitchen I'd like to propose a toast before the fireworks and my final wardrobe change um, basically they're gonna you know they're gonna see something. They're going to see something together. Then there's the the credits, which happens like at the end of the issue. And then there's the uh, caption later that evening, a few minutes after midnight. And now everybody looks like they just watched something really weird. Not necessarily bad, not necessarily something horrible, something odd, something strange. Um, it's It's weird. Uh, one of the, the people here who is some type of diplomat says, you heard me sell everything in that sector. Yes, the entire portfolio. Um, someone else says, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, dot, dot, dot. Um, the, the British ambassador says, you will galvanize humanity in a way it never was to confront the threat posed by mutant kind. Um, Dr. Strange is, is, he needs to get out. He's like, I don't want to be rude at a party and I want some time to gather my thoughts. Cyclops and Captain America have a conversation where uh, Cap says, did you know about this when we met a few days ago? So first of all, what meeting is he talking about? When did they meet a few days ago? I think that's going to be Planet X. 
Okay. Because the previews we've seen of that, I think, are Cap and Cyclops meeting at uh, the old X-Bank mansion. Okay. And Cap says, well, you solved one big problem, but I'm worried you might have made an even bigger mess. I just hope you all know what you're doing. That's the end of the issue. So let's quickly talk about what that could even mean. So it can't mean that Magneto killed someone there. Sure. That that can't be the case. If Magneto, if, if this is the end of the gala, um, or at least this portion of the gala, Magneto's murder doesn't happen here. It's at least um, not public. Right. I, I, what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is they don't know about. They did not just witness that. Right. Um, so that's so that's that. The, there was a theory that maybe Magneto had killed or someone had killed one of the 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 attendees and that they resurrected them there Mm. that was a theory that i saw if that happened then a i don't think they would look the way they look and b i think that um uh uh, cap asking cyclops did you know about this already Mm. and cyclops saying essentially no that wouldn't make any sense so it has to be something that we're not already aware of so that's pretty major we don't know what they're talking about. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the resurrection thing actually makes a lot of sense. It does. I just don't know why they would want to show them that now. Yeah, and, and like you say, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that Scott would not have an idea right. about it. He clear, he, clearly, he knows that. Yeah. It makes me wonder maybe if it is the resurrection situation, I, I guess I would argue who are they resurrecting? Right. That's why the thought was maybe it was, um, maybe it was someone who had died there that night. But I actually think that this issue, the back matter of this issue gives you a decent idea of who it could be. So uh, this issue includes an old, story of the first hellfire gala um well it's it's not necessarily the first gala but it's the first gala we've seen ever um the the original hellfire gala at this event um uh what's his name sebastian shaw's wife lourdes dies Mm. she's killed by a sentinel here in this issue of marauders sebastian shaw tells emma that he wishes his wife was still there that he, he wishes that she was around. So maybe she's the person that gets resurrected. If that's what it is at all. Yeah. I I mean, just just for the sake of what we know for the upcoming event, it could be Madeline Pryor. Yeah. Although I don't know why they'd want to bring her back. That's, you know, tons of problems. Um, I want to point out here, and maybe I should have done this on the main show, listen to that uh, for our thoughts on the announcement of Inferno, but um, Emma Emma Frost, I'm pretty sure knows about Moira. I think she's known something from the beginning. Yep, because in Marauders 20, they open up a, oh, it's not in Marauders 20, I'm sorry. It's in like Marauders uh, 18. 
uh, they open up a hospital in Madripoor called the Moira McTaggart blah, blah, blah hospital. Mm. And Professor Xavier and Magneto are there. She specifically asks them to go and watch this happen. And when they see that, they are horrified. And Kate Pride thanks Emma for doing that. And Emma says it was worth it just to see the looks on their faces. Yeah. So I think she knows about that. Um, what does that have to do with this? I have no idea, but I just wanted to point that out. I think we'll get our answers to some of this stuff in X-Men 21. Um, they brought back the convention of um, making the title, making the entry in whatever issue is coming up next red. Yep. So Marauders is a red issue. The next red issue is X-Men 21, then Planet Size X-Men, then Sword number six. So I think X-Men 21 is going gonna, is gonna to give us some information on, um, well, we're going to see the new team of X-Men. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, what'd you think about the art in this one? <coughs> oh, uh, excuse me. Uh, Not that much of it. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, okay. I have, I, I think overall with Marauders, we've been pretty missed as, as a collective with uh, Mateo Lolly. Um, but I really enjoyed his work here. Mm. I think he really uh, uh, made it made it work. He really put some effort into it. Um, and I think the most intriguing thing that they're doing uh, to show time passing, yeah, and how I assume they're gonna make that work going forward is they're using Emma. And her mm. various outfit changes. Hilarious. I think that's spot on. I think that's so clever. Genius. Yeah, that's really, really smart. Um, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think this was a, a really good looking issue. Um, you know, we've had some, you know, problems with the Marauders art team. Uh, I felt like it improved. Uh, even in issue 20, I thought the art was better. Um, this issue looked pretty good. Emma looks great, and she's kind of the star of the show um, in Marauders, but certainly of, of this issue. Yeah. And she looks great. Uh, there was nothing that stood out to me as bad. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was quality work. Um, there's not a ton of visual heavy lifting to be done because this is really just introducing the concept and stuff like that. Um, I thought the, the, the performance was cool. Um, the, the, the butterflies or whatever flying around was, you know, that was a nice touch. Um, but again, there wasn't much work for the, the visual creative team to do other than to make everybody look good. And they did that. So, well, I had to draw big crowds of people, right. Which is not easy. Um, there's never really a time where you look in the crowd and and the faces are bad or underdeveloped. Um, they did a really good job at that. And we've Mm -hmm. seen, we've seen that done a lot worse in other spaces. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, next week we're getting four issues of, uh, of X-Men. Holy cow. Let me, let me, uh, confirm that we're getting X-Force. I'm sorry. Uh, next week, we're getting three issues. We're getting Excalibur, X-Men 21, and Children of the Atom number four. Children of the Atom, I'm sure you can skip for the purposes of this, but Excalibur and X-Men 21, definitely worth uh, worth checking out if you're following the X stuff. 
before we move on, did you have uh, a favorite cameo, celebrity cameo in uh, in this book? Because I was, didn't notice a single one. Are you kidding me? Yeah, there were no. So many. Patton Oswalt was there. Uh, uh, Conan O'Brien. Um, geez, uh, the guy, the Late Show guy. Which one? The one that likes comic books. What? <laughs> he used to do. Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, yeah, there were so many. Wow, I completely, I completely missed all of that. I, I and I told myself, pay special attention because there will be celebrity cameos. We know that, but I figured that they would be peppered throughout the event. I didn't realize that there would be so many uh, here up front. Yeah, um, and it's all throughout too. I'll have to I'll have to go back and uh, and and look. I, I missed out. Uh, well, you know what? I see J. Jonah Jameson, and he's celebrity enough for me. All right. Let's talk uh, Swamp Thing number four. So, uh, Swamp Thing, of course, is by Rom V, Mike Perkins, and Mike Spicer. The Mike. Um, the Mikes. Um. I really, really, really enjoyed this issue. This is great. Yeah, yeah. It didn't necessarily go the way I thought it would go. How'd you think it would go? Well, I guess I... I guess I thought there would be more, given that the the premise of this issue is basically Alec Holland explaining the green to... Levi. Yeah. But basically what it is is he's connecting Levi to the the greater memories of the green and mm-hmm. and uh showing him how to use his his avatar powers. Yeah. Well, um and that's not bad. I'm certainly not saying that as a knock. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I was surprised by that too, although I didn't have a take um, as far as what would actually happen in the issue. Mm. I think that um, this was necessary. There needed to be some type of passing conversation, of passing of the torch. Yep, that's yeah. a better way to put it. Um, there needed to be a passing of the torch. And I think you know, this is not about Alec Holland, right? So I'm glad that he's not front and center. He's just kind of the tour guide of the green Mm. for, um, for Levi. I think that's an effective role for him. Um, The visuals of this issue, I think are the star. I don't, you know, I don't think that there was anything terribly revelatory about the conversation between Alec Holland and Swamping. Yeah. Um, it's just Mike Perkins is is a great artist and I've thought that for a while but this is his star making performance like he's already a star don't get me wrong but this is like beyond anything he's done so far yeah this this is gonna go into the hall of fame for sure like there's just there's just no way like everything in here is absolutely incredible yeah um it, it, it's so wild i mean look like look at this 
Yeah. I'm holding yeah. up a page from the book and it's just, it's just gorgeous. Like, I feel like every time we review this book, I'm like, man, that would make a really great um, page to own, you know, mm-hmm. um, a page to, 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 to purchase and put up somewhere. It's just gorgeous. Um, it did looking, such a great job. Yeah. I'm looking at uh, the, the pages a uh, couple after that one uh, where the bottom is Swamp Thing reaching out, but he reaches out toward the reader yeah and uh the next one is him kind of i guess going through his memories and connecting even more to the green and sort of tackling the the giant thing that is the i guess the green right um sorry go ahead i was just gonna say uh the issue is essentially presenting the idea that the green is the memories of earth like of everything that's happened, everything that the trees have taken in, the plants, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I've heard before uh, that that plants and trees do kind of feel and not think, but like have awareness more than what, we're, what we know. I, I recently cut my grass because I'm an adult. Um, and the, Jess, my wife, brought up to me that... Uh, do you know the smell of grass, of cut grass, is a pheromone in uh, each individual blade of grass that warns other plants that danger is happening? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So wow. it's the grass screaming, basically. That's really sad. It smells wow. nice, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, so... I thought that that was a pretty cool concept because it does kind of play off, you know, what we sort of know about plants, um, the limited knowledge that we have. I'm sure that there's a lot more to them than we're aware. Um, And so I like that it adds depth to the, you know, the history of the green and all that jazz, but also the idea that the green is like, if I got the right thing out of it, that the green memory, the green's memories of humanity are bad right now right now yeah it's the thing um and what yeah what i found interesting about that was alec tells levi he 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 says um that uh uh uh, what you just said um Mm -hmm. that the green's memories right now are bad but i i would like to think that there is a part of the green that has hope for the future and that it chose you right so while that all is crazy interesting i also had the thought but what if it isn't hmm. like you know that's that's only ala collins opinion his assessment right. of the situation what if he's wrong yeah absolutely uh he could be wrong oh well actually i don't know because this isn't this isn't Alec Holland, Alec Holland, right? This is right. like... Yeah, that's a, that's the other thing, yeah. This is the Green's projection of Alec Holland. Okay, so it could, he could be right then. He, he could be right. He could also be lying. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, we don't know enough yeah. about what is happening here. Um, but he doesn't spend a lot of time on the page. He's only there for uh, the first like six pages or something like that. Yeah. 
and then he's gone. Everything else is uh, double spreads, basically. Visual splendor. Absolutely. Uh, It it really is a gorgeous book. We can't oversell it. Um, Meanwhile, Jennifer is being accompanied by Woodrow uh, through the forest, I guess, and Last time we reviewed Swamp Thing, Marco said that Woodrow had turned over a new leaf, as it were, and that he was good now. But this issue, yeah, uh, <laughs> this issue makes me doubt that. Yep. And I'm I'm assuming that's because of the green and what's going on with the green. I'm assuming it's 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 turned him or it's changed him or whatever from what Marco said. That moment where she's like, "Okay, I need to get away from this guy." And he tries to get away, and there's that crazy, creepy face. Yeah. Um. That was that was good. You know, I think horror is hard to do. Like visual horror, is hard to do in comics. That was a that was an example of it done well. I uh, I also wonder if maybe Woodrow would have been fine on the side of good or whatever. Mm-hmm. Had Levi not been able to access swamp things memories right so because i if i if i recall correctly from what we read in alan moore's stuff where where that character gets created i think um yeah he he believes that he is the rightful avatar of the green Mm. um so i wonder if he would have been cool with Levi being the swamp thing. Hey, fine, whatever. You do you, man. Uh, but the green is mine. And now that swamp thing is in possession of everything that the green is in the memories and and the, you know, his life as the swamp thing avatar, uh, he's like, all right, y'all on my list. Yeah, you might be right about that. I love the idea of that. Um I like, I like, I don't mind that Woodrow would become a villain for Levi. That's fine. Even though he is a classic Swamp Thing villain. And I do want Levi to have some new enemies. Um, what you just explained gives him a new reason. Yeah. Like a, a, a reason that's specific to Levi to want to kill him. And that that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. I don't know you, man, but I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and it uses... It's really smart, too, on Ron V's part, because it uses the history of the green to create a, a conflict between two characters who otherwise wouldn't have a reason to have that. I yeah. think that's really smart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, he looks sinister. Like this panel right here, he looks yeah. pretty, Face all pretty scary. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, you know, it ends with, uh, with Waller and the Suicide Squad getting the call to join in. Okay sure yeah yeah that so look rom v is super talented no one's going to dispute that not on this podcast not on this podcast and we've seen great writers introduce characters to stories that you would think well what do you have to do with this i think we saw a little bit of that in the swamp thing run of uh of alan moore there was certain etrigan yeah Um, man too i think yeah wasn't the league involved at some point? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, okay, fine. But Suicide Squad, right um, now? Peacemaker at the front of that? 
Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, you can make it work. I didn't even know I could see John Cena. Did I, <laughs> did I do that right? Uh, you tried. Oh. Um. Anything more to say? Just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Hope. I'm really hopeful for season two. I really hope you get a season yeah. two. We're almost yeah. halfway through. Um. Let's talk about Basilisk number one. I was excited about this book. This is a uh, a Cullen Bunn written horror story, so you kind of know you're gonna get um you know his best when it's horror uh jonas sharf did the art and uh alex guimarayas guimarayas um was involved as well uh i didn't know what to expect uh from this book Mm. because so little was given in terms of like information prior and I, I, this was the only book I read this week that I was disappointed by. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really that into this. I take it you feel differently? Um, not wholly. I think of the, of the things we read, I think I, I agree. I probably like this the least, but I didn't dislike it. Um, I didn't dislike it. I just wasn't, I, I expected more and I got less. Yeah. I was disappointed. I think, I think having, having read what I have of um, Harrow County, I think I sort of trust Cullen Bunn to, to build whatever it is he's building here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I, I don't necessarily know how much information he gives in a first issue right you know what i mean because i you know my i'm a trade waiter so you know even when i read limited information it's with a ton of information right so i don't i don't necessarily know how he uses um you know his first issue Neither do I. Um, yeah. I don't really. I don't. I don't know either. Um, I immediately. So I read. I read this, and then I read "Nice House on the Lake." Now, yeah. if I told you <clears throat> that both books were the exact same amount of pages, would you believe that? Yeah. I feel like "Nice House on the Lake." gets so much more across than basilisk does in the exact same page count i think though and i i would like to have a conversation comparing them a little bit Mm. maybe in between uh but i think nice house is preparing us more for an ensemble than i think this is yeah, I think you're right. I think Basilisk is setting a mood. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely a much moodier book, a book more about tone up front. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and complain about, like, wasting panels of people eating food and whatever. Like, that's fine, especially in a horror book. You do what you got to do to sell us on, you know, uh, the tone. Um, but 
I just don't feel like enough of the ideas that the book wants us to think about got across, at least not for me. Like, okay, so there are these people that have powers. One of them, at least one of them has the power of like a basilisk or um, Medusa. She looks at you, you're screwed type of thing. Um, the whole issue is built around that moment at the end of the book where she, you know, uh, uses her power to kill these people who are coming to essentially rescue her from who they, from, from what they believe to be danger. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine, but I didn't care because I, because I don't, because I don't care, you know, like I didn't, I didn't care because they haven't done anything yet to make me care. And so this issue, um, there's nothing wrong with it, but it spends its the whole time trying to get me to connect to uh, who is presumably the main character, the woman who is chasing Basilisk down. It, it, it spends all its time with her, and then it's the Basilisk who gets the big moment. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that necessarily. Um, I think I think the thing that kind of put me off on this a little bit is it comes off as I don't know for a, for a lack of a better word a, a bit of a superhero book more than a horror. I can see that. You know, uh, a, a people with powers book. Yeah. You know, in a way that doesn't feel horror people with powers like witches you know like harold county mm-hmm. um so i think i think you know we saw a lot more action in this issue in like the traditional sense of action you know people with guns sure. shooting and powers and um i it's sort of like i'm i'm here for the ride for me, yeah. like you know, I've I've seen enough that I'm interested, but it didn't quite hit me where I wanted it to hit me in the yep. way that Nice House did. That that that's exactly how I feel. Um, I did like I said, I did not dislike this issue. I think it is good. Yeah. Um, I wanted more. Uh, and I didn't get that. So I guess that's a good thing. I want, you know, more, more issues, but I wish this first issue did a little bit more, um, to sell me on what this is supposed to be. And that just didn't happen, but, um, I liked it. It looks great. Jonah Sharp is not an artist I'm familiar with, but boy, oh boy, did, did, did they do a really good job, um, with this first one? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, yeah, the art. I think is spectacular. I think it's for someone who I, you know, I've never heard of. I think his, you know, his style fits up right there with people in the big leagues for sure. Oh, sometimes I wonder where they find these people. Yeah. (laughs) How are you this talented and you're, you're, you know, you're not known already. Um, The colors are, are really good too. Yeah. Um, color is is an obviously generally an important element of comics but I think in horror comics it's that much more important because the color really helps to get across the tone in a book um, and, it, and it helps to set a mood of course so 
I, I think the colors were, were excellent here and they really, really worked well with the total package to sell us um, on this story. Do you think the color in a horror book, if present, takes sort of the, the same role as like music in a horror film? I think that's a great, I think that's a great, um, I think they're analogous. Yes. I yeah. think that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, and it's funny because I think that similarly, uh, you know, like the wrong colorist can harm a, a, a horror book the same way that like bad music or misplaced music or whatever can harm yeah. a movie. Yeah. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, the last page gives us a shot of, you know, I'm assuming Basilisk's uh, cohorts. Her name is Regan, by the way. Um, yeah, that's right. And uh, one of them's Wolverine, so that's cool. The other is uh, Shaven Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Um, yeah, they look hot, all of them, I guess. Um, I don't you know, know, like they don't they don't look scary, <laughs> but you know, sure. I guess that's the point, you know. Right. They probably transform or something cool like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Not, I will, you know, I'm not over the moon about it. We're going to talk about Nice House on the Lake next, and that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, some of the differences in presentation. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was good, and I will definitely be reading the second issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I'll be interested to hear what Marco thinks for sure, probably in the Discord, um, or yeah. in the second issue when we pop around to it. Mm -hmm. Um, for horror, how do you like your horror? Do you like it in the style of like this, where there's something around people that is scary? Plot versus character driven? Is that what you're getting at? Well, like, uh, versus like horror that I guess is something happening to people. Right. Um, I, for me, I really don't care. I want, I just want a good story regardless of the trappings. Um, I, I think I generally prefer horror that's not necessarily physical. Um, I like a lot of horror that's more psychological yeah, stuff sure. that plays with your mind. Um, I don't really get too terribly scared anymore by movies because we, we kind of get it. Yeah. But if the horror is playing on psychology, if it's playing on my brain, if it's making me think thoughts, I don't want to think mm. stuff like mm. that, that, that really works for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I see people in horror specifically you know, if the goal in horror is to sort of put yourself in that situation, I sort of see people as an object to overcome and be able to overcome. You know, a person's just a person mostly. Mm. Whereas, you know, an event of some kind, you know, like we're going to read here in, in Nice House, that's 
something you can't necessarily overcome. You have to kind of get through right or not. You know, I think it's it's that change that happens when you go through that's the scary part. So basically like a walking dead type thing where, you know, there's an, there's something who knows what it is that causes people to have to live differently and live in a scenario that is horrific in and of itself. I guess, but even still zombies are sort of never mind zombies, just like the fact that, that, yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say more, something more akin to, uh, Junji Ito's Uzumaki. Okay. You know, like it, like you say, sort of psychological to a certain degree. Yeah. But like that dude's gonna turn into a snail, and boy, you're gonna have to live with that for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, Nice House on the Lake. This is um, a, D- a DC Black Label book, actually, by James Tinian. Uh, with Alvaro uh, Martinez Bueno, who drew it, and of course, Jordi Belair, uh, who did the colors. Um, this one, I was, I, we read the, 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 the synopsis, the preview um, last week, and it, you know, it, it, it said the broad strokes of what would happen. Like these people would be invited to a house, and they would all accept, and something was weird there, right? Yeah. Um, didn't prepare me for how intricate this book was going to be. Yeah. And it didn't prepare me for what the hook was going to be. This is probably the best James Tinian that I've read. Um, and Something is Killing the Children is amazing. And it's like 18 issues deep. I think off rip, this is, this is his best work. Because first of all, um, it's never easy to work with this many characters. Like there's a lot of people here. Yeah. And he gives us the details about them in a way that's digestible and in a way that clearly is going to tie into the actual story. So mm-hmm. um, all these different characters are invited to live in a house um, uh, where, you know, they have to, how does real world go? I was going to make a real world joke, but I can't remember how real world starts. Um, that's not my, that's the, you're the reality show king. That's not me. I'm not the reality show king. Who told you that? What reality shows do I watch? I don't know, man. I don't know anything about you. I was just saying stuff. Reality show king. Uh, so it introduces us to these characters, but not only to their names, the way they're being identified. Yeah. And that that matters. Um, so Ryan Kane, who I suspect is the main character, uh, yeah. she's identified as the artist. Which... Some people in the book found to be like, not everyone was like, um, not not everyone's title seemed to correspond with how everyone else thought of them, which I thought was interesting because they thought the artist was going to be someone else they knew. Right, exactly. Um, I'm sure that James Tinian, given his, uh, you know, status as a a gay man, I'm sure that that is, I'm sure that that idea of identity is playing into this book as well um which i actually really like that's pretty cool um one of the characters here the writer nora um is actually a a trans woman and i like i like how he told us that yeah 
without like being like I'm you know hey I'm trans like it was it was done yeah yeah, it was it was it was done in a natural way like for example um uh in the in the text of her description it says high school cluster first encountered 19 years ago outside the carpool entrance of Marquette University High chosen in Milwaukee 18 years ago name and gender revised five years ago so that was the initial clue in that this person is trans. Um, every character who appears in the story gets one of these blurbs. These are being written presumably by the person who invited them here. And it tells you how they know them, where they met them and when, and why, and uh, when they were chosen for this. Um, so yeah. And even, even if that part's not clear, uh... Nora, the writer, uh, is connected to the scientist uh, Veronica, who uh, they they the the blurb says uh, uh, um, uh, 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 I got it right here. Okay, uh, high school cluster first encountered eighteen years ago at Marquette University High School musical auditions through her then boyfriend, the writer through her then boyfriend so that you know that makes that clear distinction of even if you don't connect that they're trans that should be the you know the final thing that's like oh they changed genders exactly and it didn't it it didn't feel like they're oh he's harping on this it felt like okay he's informing us of something that's probably should know without going out of their way to do that um So that was pretty cool. Um, And I'm a sucker for character stuff, right? Like I really loved the interplay between these characters. They're not having conversations that are terribly deep or like that interesting, but James Tidian makes the most of all these moments to give us an idea of who these people are. Um, This book is going to be all about them. Everything else that's like going on outside of this house on the lake is probably not i don't i don't foresee that being something they're gonna solve i don't foresee that being something that they can really tackle so the book is about them and we've got to get comfortable with them and i think james tinian did a tremendous job of helping me uh find my way through these characters yeah i i found i found it kind of hard to remember who is who Excerpt because you know I'm all, I'm trying to connect faces with names with identifiers jobs mm-hmm. basically, sure. and the only person that is really memorable is is our POV character Ryan, Ryan. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like we say, it's the first issue, and this is clearly going to be something where we spend time with these people. Yeah, uh, but as I was reading the identifiers, I was trying to remember who was who you know how they knew each other um and maybe i was thinking too hard about it but i found it i found it just a little difficult i went i did i did what you did i i I looked over them all like a couple of times to try to make sure to try to familiarize myself i read this last night i woke up today i don't know who's who except for ryan yeah nora um they're also the first two you get introduced to um I think that that will settle in over time. Yeah. I hope that we get to see these again, especially their, um, not only do they have 
identifiers in terms of like job descriptions, but there's also an like a drawing, an image, symbol, yeah. a symbol, thank you, that's associated with each character that it's stated will correspond with something that they can engage with that's specific for them. Mm -hmm. I, I spent a decent amount of time looking through the issue to see if I could see any of those present in this first issue. I didn't, mm. but it's so cool. I can't even like, I can't overstate how cool it is that James Tinian has set this up. He's essentially put them in like, like I, I, I've been playing Resident Evil. So like, it reminds me of that. You've got symbols, you've got, you know, all these different things that will play into the story later, but you don't, you don't know right now. Like, oh, this key unlocks a door. What, yeah. what's on the other side of that door? Don't know. Where do I get the key? Don't know. Find out later. I love that. That's so smart. That's, I also have been playing through Resident Evil uh, and that's a hundred percent worry for me as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all this is 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 um, based on a character named Walter. So Walter has invited all of these people who he met at different points in his life to come to this house. Some people did not accept his offer, and some did. Those that did are probably really happy that they did. There were hints all throughout the book as to. Um, what was going to happen? I was pretty clear on it um, fairly early on. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the hook is tremendous. The twist is great. Um, Walter's a creep, but he's not a yeah. bad guy. He's just weird. He, he talks to Ryan about how she feels like the world's going to end. Mm -hmm. And that's all they talk about. And he doesn't really hit on her. He's, he, he seems to like her but not in a romantic way of him trying to like get with her necessarily. Yeah. Um, and there's several times where he says things that are like, you know, I'm pretty sure that everybody who decided not to come to this is going to regret that. <laughs> They're going to regret their decision not to come because of the hook, which is that outside of the, this house, which he built for them to be here, mm. the world is going to help. Yep. Everyone is dying. People yep. are ripping their skin off and they don't even feel it. Their eyes are peeling out of their heads. It's awful. It's really bad. Everyone is dying. And I love when you, the page where they've all like learned officially what's going on and the color is sucked out of the book. Yeah. That was, that was a great, uh, artistic choice by by the creators and the use of color in in these moments is yeah absolutely incredible brilliant uh, especially the way that all of this unfolds the way we find out about the world ending is the same way ryan finds out and we find out as she finds out mm -hmm. you see her looking at her phone and you see her kind of recoiling and trying to you know what the fuck what's and then you see everything she's looking at. And as you're reading, you're as confused and weirded out as she is. And then it hits you the same time it hits her where the color shifts dramatically mm -hmm. from the, the nice soothing blues to this harsh orange uh, 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 overlay. Yeah. And, and, then, and then, like you say, as more happens, 
the color is gone. Yep. I love it. And then the way that James chose to present like what is happening in the outside world through social media, really, really, really smart, really smart. Because again, the idea is that they're trapped here and we're trapped with them. So when you're stuck home, just like you were during the pandemic, you pull your phone out, you get on social media. That's how you, that's how a lot of us engage with the outside world. So this is just a mirror of that. I think that's brilliant. And what's even, even as interesting is they're not even necessarily trapped if they don't want to be. They've got kayaks. Um, he, he, he says they gave them, he gave them uh, something else. Um food, alcohol, kayaks, boats. So if they wanted, they could take a boat probably and, you know. He, he actually explicitly says, but you will never be able to leave. Yeah, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what that means. You know, is it like, like a, um, is it like a, there's a dome over, you know, the area where, you know, they can't get out or is it if they... If they go out there, they're going to die. Right. Or, or third option, do things happen when they try to leave? Yeah. Don't know. So this, this Walter guy is an alien. He says, he says he's from another planet. And he says he's not going to explain what is even happening, which adds to the creep factor. So is this Nora that tries to kill him? Yeah. She yeah. lost her hand for that wild that's pretty rough um go be hard to write yeah no kidding the writer one the one-handed writer this is a classic in my opinion this i've rarely have i read a first issue that was this good and i am so excited to see how this will will, uh resolve and and go forward um james tinian uh, and uh, Alvaro Bueno and Jordi Belair all deserve all the praise because they did a tremendous job. And this is how this is how you get started. Compare that to Basilisk. Nothing happened in Basilisk. Uh, we got the whole premise out of Nice House on the Lake. The whole premise, every character, the essentials, what we need to know, we know. Different different strokes. Cullen Bunn is obviously using a different tactic and strategy. I prefer my comics to be pretty upfront with me in this way and then, but, but let there still be mysteries about, you know? Yeah. This was, this was thrilling. Yeah. Um, Whereas Basilisk, you know, felt, felt uh, more like it's setting up for a slow burn. Right. Exactly. And that can, that can be great. That can be great. So no shade. Um, enjoyed both, but Nice House on the Lake for me is one of my favorite comics of the year. 100,000% book of the week. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Let us know what books you guys love. Did you love these books? Did you read these books? Write in and let us know. Hit us up at the comicspals at gmail.com. Leave a comment in those, uh, in those uh, YouTube comments. We see you guys. We, we read your comments every single week on the main show. So if you're not listening to the main show, go over to there. You will hear us reacting to your comments. You might be surprised that we actually we do it, uh, but we, we read every comment. Um, so head over, over there and do that. And 
If you want to recommend a book for us to read, leave it in the comments. Let us know what books you want us to tackle. and We will do so here on the show. Last but not least, I put out a challenge, a challenge to you guys. If there's a book you want me personally to pick up when I go to Midtown Comics every single week to get my books, and it is not a book I'm already reading, and it is not a manga or a trade, I will do that, and I will review it for you guys. So if you want to take the Sean Soapbox Challenge, do it. Write in and do it. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Ha, ha, ha.